This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog Rose and Jamie are two best friends And they love sex and the city And they couldn't help but wonder Do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Cosmos, Cheese, So many dudes. Every single dude All the dudes And we couldn't help but wonder Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Jamie Lee and I'm Rose Cerno. And this is Couldn't Help But Wonder, a podcast where we talk about sex in the city and how it relates to, to us. Jamie. Oh my God, Rose Cerno. Wild. What the hell? Where have you been all my life? We haven't seen each other. For listeners, it, there's no gap in the listening because we record a bunch of episodes in advance. So we haven't seen each other in a month. It's been too long. She's just as radiant and beautiful as she was before she left. Maybe even more beautiful. Oh, my God. Stop it. You look fantastic. You are thriving. You ate a uh, expensive, unnecessarily expensive kale and papitas oh. and avocado salad. So you got your superfoods in for the day and your skin is glowing oh, and girl. you're just, you're radiating joy and kindness and warmth. Thank you. And I don't mean to me too, him, but like Skylar's looking so handsome today. No, Skylar's so hair has gotten particularly uh, d- tall in a very confident way. Sorry, lady listeners. He's taken. He is taken. And his hair is taken by height. Sorry. Jamie, who the <laughs> F were you this week? Okay. Uh, this week, I was a total carry. Okay. Well, actually, I'll just say this past month, I've been a total carry. Okay. Um, in that, I always feel like whenever I'm watching Sex in the City, she's always, like, moving around. Like, she's just, she just, I don't think Carrie can sit still for very long. Like, she has her laptop time in her apartment, and then she's like, gotta go. I gotta go do something. I gotta meet up with someone. I gotta take a walk. Smoke a cig. I got to get out there in the world. So I feel like that was me because I was traveling a bunch for my latest project, which is uh, I'm not allowed to talk about. It. I even got an email about wow. how I talked about it too much, wow. and I haven't even talked about it. Damn. Yeah. So I can't does say this what have to it do is. With NASA. Yes, guys. It's a super uh, secret a covert op- uh, operation. Yeah. I don't know. I can't. I can't disclose too much, but I am involved in the show that involves travel. So I was gone touring the U.S. and truly just never sitting still for more than three seconds. Does that match your personality? Is that a good fit for you? Great question. Um, I think in a way it actually matches my personality really well and learning that about myself has scared me a bit because I want to sort of 
create this narrative of like, I just want to be home. I just want to like crack open a book and like a bottle of wine and just be cozy. But then I realized like I get antsy really quickly. You have a gypsy soul. I think I might have a gypsy soul. You have a work soul. I definitely have a work soul. My work soul might be in a relationship with my gypsy soul. Yeah, I think so. Because even before this, as a comedian, you're traveling, doing comedy shows, festivals, weekends opening for, you know, doing your... Yeah. What do you think it all means? Why can't I be in one place? I mean, but think about it. I mean, everyone Am I emotionally restless? Like, what's wrong? I don't know. Is it a bad thing? I mean... You know, it's interesting because people are, I I don't think one is better than the other unless you're not enjoying it. But if you're enjoying it, then what's the problem? It does make me feel like a crazy person because then, like I was telling you, I went to visit my friend who I grew up with and she has this like wonderful house and it's in a beautiful neighborhood outside of Austin and she has two wonderful children and her husband's awesome and I was there and I was like oh I want this. I just want to like be in a place with the house that I come home to every day. And I felt really not bad about it, but I definitely was sort of like questioning my priorities when I left there and thinking a lot about it. And then, yeah. And then I was like, no, but I'm also really comfortable, like shooting all day and then driving to the next city to shoot some more. And like, I like feeling, I don't know what it is. I I like the change in surroundings, but I also did like miss my dog. I missed parts of my house but I don't care I guess as a home renter I don't feel really invested in my space and maybe that would change if I owned a home also maybe it'd be different if you had kids or you were like I really want to be domestic or something I I mean I feel bad that I don't have more of a community I have a community but I don't you're, you're, it's not a community I see all the time. It's very like touch yeah. and go here and there. Whenever we have time, we yes. squeeze it in. It's not, oh, and you know, me and my 12 friends are on a text chain and right. then we see each other on the weekends. Yeah. And I don't have that. Right. I get it. I mean, it's interesting because like everyone's different. Obviously, you're wildly funny and, and a great stand up. Oh, and so well, thank you, friend. You know what? You're, you, you've made a career out of it. Not everyone can do that. But like I know for myself, I quit stand up when I was. I don't remember how old I was, but things were on the up and up. Uh, I just remember the reason that I quit was I was so lonely and I was performing every night and working all day and I passed at a couple clubs and I just felt really lonely. And I had this moment where I was like, I just was like, I'm not happy. I'm doing really well. I'm playing at the clubs I wanted to play at, but I'm sad. I'm lonely. And I had this moment where I was like, this isn't more important than a life actually a life is more important I'm like if if this kept going and I kept getting famous but never had time for love or family I would be deeply depressed so I quit and I was like I want to focus on being a TV writer so that I can get off work at five or six have a family if I want have friends and uh, I think that is the right thing for me but I'm also less successful than a lot of my friends but I think everyone has to have there's no one right way I think it's just What does your soul need, you know? Well, and the scary thing about that is I think that your soul can start out needing one thing, but then change. And then you're in this place of like, but I invested so much in this one way of life that's very solitary. But now I'm like, oh, but maybe I'm becoming more domesticated. And how does that conflict with this sort of groundwork I've laid? Like, it's not like I can 
like my friend who I visited, she is a nurse practitioner and she it's like, co-worker. I can't, right, yeah. yeah, and it's like, oh, what am I going to like drop out no. of comedy and like go back to school now? Like, what do I, <laughs> I no, know, I was but- like, I went into this whole spiral. But what you do, I mean, you had a great time when you were writing on that show and I you did. had coworkers and it was like a family and mm-hmm. then you came home and you were still in LA. Like, I think there's a lot of ways to do what you do, act and write and perform in Los Angeles where you're going to work you have this really vibrant exciting you had a great time on that last show I loved it you were being funny you were writing great scripts you had friends so I think that you don't have to pivot against anything but maybe try to balance it out yeah like maybe after this whirlwind traveling never being home maybe hang once you're done maybe hang in LA for a few months yeah oh god that even that notion I was like oh such a hard time I also you know that I have a hard time acclimating to LA LA and I are not great friends we are trying to have a better bond but it has not it has not proven strong yet but you know what I'm gonna say yes I think LA (laughs) is a microcosm for your domestic bond and I think maybe it's easier for me for you to be in New York because it's not like you're being so domestic in New York you're probably working a lot in New York you're doing clubs you're doing meetings it's like maybe LA it's hard for you to get into the vibe of LA because it's like this is the vibe of like, hey, why don't you guys come over for dinner? Like, it's more like, I know it's not work. I know. I know. It's like, I feel like I'm just not good at LA, but I'm trying to be good I at it. I want to help you. Thank you. Yeah. Please, I be also, my Sherpa. I also think it's totally normal and natural to have moments where you look at someone else's life that's really different and think you should have that. And I don't think it means what you're doing is wrong. No, I just think that's I agree super that. normal. I agree. That's a good point. And everyone feels it. Yeah, and I think that, like, as overwhelmed as you are, you've gotten a lot of L.A.-based jobs. Mm. So it's not like your whole life and future is just you traveling by yourself or something. You can very well do what you love to do here. Yeah, thanks. You're welcome. Thanks, friend. You're welcome. Who are you this week or month? (sighs) Um, I don't know which woman I am. Um... I guess maybe I'm a Miranda. Love it. Go on. Because it's been, if not a month more, maybe it's been like a month and a half since we've last recorded, but I'm like fully in love. Ah! I'm so happy. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. I know. It's so wonderful. Okay, listeners, I have to tell you, we were in the car. Rose was in charge of carpool. She picked me up. She picked Skylar up. And I was like, are you still? Because we have not like had a proper catch up, which is very sad. And I was like, are you still with? And she goes, save it for the pod. And I go, okay. And I was like, that could go two different ways. Jamie said, are you still with saying that guy? And I didn't want to tell her. And she shut it down. She shut it down hard. She said, it has to be saved for the pod. I am so glad that you saved yourself for pod. I did. Because wow, what a reveal. I texted him yesterday that he was worth waiting 36 years for. Oh my God. Yeah. We're like so in love. Oh my God. I know we haven't said Ah! those words, but we've said it. We've said it. We we haven't said I love you, but like we oh, say it all the time in our actions and I, stuff. Oh my god, I am so excited. <laughs> and the reason that this I, is incredible. Oh man, I have some things. No, I will, I've been oh. like smiling and crying and laughing for like two months. Like it's crazy. He's meeting my family. He's coming to Rosh Hashanah. Like he's excited to meet my whole family. Oh wow, yeah. this is incredible. It's a okay. huge deal. Okay, the Can reason I, I said Miranda yes. was because well, I was going to ask that, but I have should, so I many questions. I should have waited for this for the next one. No, just say every. Everything now. Okay, well, basically, <laughs> the reason I was going to say Miranda is because when she meets a good guy, she's such mm-hmm. a psychopath.
psycho about it. That's all I'm going to say. I know what you're saying. And it's not that I was a psycho when I met Lee, but he is... He's of all the guys I've ever dated. I oh mean, my God. by a long you have shot, two wonderful Lees in your life: Jay Lee and Lee Lee. That's true. Lee boyfriend and Lee, Lee girlfriend. Lee, Lee girlfriend. Lee female lover. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, no, but like he's been since day one the most available, loving, compassionate, committed person, and it really scrambled me. Like, and I remember talking to my therapist and. We had this beautiful, beautiful weekend in Ventura where I think I fell in love with him. And like, we just had the best time. And it was so romantic, but it was also uh, like he was my best friend. Like, we like joked and we're silly and like laughing and like being super silly. And I'm not used to that. I'm kind of used to always being with guys that I feel like it's always really sexy. It's not necessarily like best friends. Mm. And I was talking to my therapist on the phone. And I was like, I'm super attracted to him. Like I, we're like, we're super crazy for each other, but like we were being really silly and just like best friends. Like, is that normal? Like, oh, wow. is that okay? Like, does that mean we're not like, like lovers or something? And he was like, cause I was, I told him, I was like, I'm really used to things being like really chaotic and sexy and like uncomfortable and sad and painful, but like very, very hot. And like, he was like, Rose, because of your anxious attachment style, because Ugh. you didn't really get like, consistent love and attention from you know your father when you got it when you like happened to like the sun happened to shine on you like when he happened to put his shine on you it was like really exciting so for you you equate love with like little moments of excitement but like mostly like like pining yes and he's like the truth of like real love is it's not exciting all the time he said real love just like feels like home like your home Wow. And it's not a roller coaster. It's just like your home. Yeah. And it's relaxing. And I do feel that way. And it's exciting, too. Oh, loving this. I know. Guys, I'm really happy. Everybody in the room, clap it up for Lee and Rose. And this is. Thank you. He doesn't listen to this, but his roommate fantastic. does. Can I, tell you, can I tell you guys one more cute thing? Please. Okay. So I made it. Gotta have it. It's pretty romantic. I'll take out my phone so I can read it to you. Oh, my God. Um, he, like, is the most romantic person. And I um, I did the m mistake of... I make some videos with this uh, production company called Soul Pancake. And they've been doing really well for them. They have half a million views on their Instagram and stuff. And I made a huge mistake by um, reading the comments. Oh, God, Rose. I know. Why? 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 Because I'm cruel to myself. And, Ugh. you know, once in a while there was a couple like, oh, she's really funny. I love the host. And then it was like, she's so ugly. She's so old. Her nose is so big. She's so ugly. You can see her nose from space and all this stuff. So I was a little sad. And I texted. I don't know why you did that. It was a horrible mistake. I and mean. <laughs> and I texted Lee. And I was like, okay, this is going to have a silver lining. I'm excited. Go ahead. And I was like, I'm really sad because I read the comments and everyone said I was old and ugly and I had a big nose. And I said, one out of three is correct because I do have a big nose. But and 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 I said to him, I'll read the text. I have a big nose. It's fine. I just don't like it to be used as an insult. And he said, I love your nose. I never knew my type was girls with big noses until I met you. And I said, why are you so nice? He's a painter. And he said, as an artist, I have thought a lot about the difference between pretty and beautiful. Pretty confirms what you already think. And beautiful reconfigures everything you thought before and melts your brain. Oh, my God. I want to fucking fuck him. <laughs> I he's can't. Amazing. I won't, but I can't. But I, wow. Like, he's truly the most, like, amazing guy. I mean, so, truly. Can you believe that? Like, how did you guys meet again? Fucking hinge. Fucking hinge. Clap it up for him. Dude. Wow. 
This is so I'm like totally like this is like melting my skin. It's like cuckoo I'm bananas. So excited for you. No, when we cry, when we text, Ugh. I'm either like crying from joy or like I'm like smiling so hard my like cheeks hurt. And you have a fantastic job right now that you love. I have a fantastic like life. Is just like has been this great. has been the best year of my life. That's excellent. Oh, so I'm anyway, so excited for you. Thank you. I'm very happy. I'm really happy to hear that. I'm trying to like enjoy it and not like think about like when yeah, is yeah, it going to yeah, end? Don't 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 don't. Okay, 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 let's, okay we're moving yep. on. We're moving yep. on. We're not going to go. go down that wormhole. Okay. Okay. So uh, today's episode, season two, episode seven, the chicken dance. So, things kick off with Miranda putting her new apartment together with the help of Charlotte's friend, the up-and-coming interior designer, Madeline Dunn, whose expert taste includes dancing frog sculptures. Wow. Ooh, ah. Miranda needs the place in order before Jeremy, a friend who she started email flirting with, comes to stay with her. Meanwhile, Big and Carrie cross yet another relationship milestone. Like a Manhattan Mother Teresa, Big just loves to give, and he hooks Carrie up with an electric toothbrush head of her very own for when she stays over. Ah, true love. Back with Miranda over a bottle of wine, she and Jeremy seem to be turning their online romance into a live action one until Madeline Dunn shows up with an end table. Madeline and Jeremy lock eyes, which leads to Miranda being a third wheel when they all go out to dinner together. Awkward but awkward. See, it's the episode's called The Chicken Dance. That was my nod to the title. Yeah. Awkward book word. Anyways, Rose, continue. I can. I'm just <laughs> breathtaking by the joke writing. <laughs> um, I'm stunned into silence. It turns out that Jeremy and Madeline don't just hit it off. At an impromptu going away party one week later, they announce they're getting married to each other after one week. Miranda, Carrie, Charlotte, and Samantha take the news um, differently. Everyone says as soon as you get a place of your own, someone will propose. I thought it would be to me. Well, at the very least, the woman owes you a mortgage payment. How is this even possible? These people just met. It's love at first sight. Oh, honey, this isn't love. This is about two people justifying a week of nonstop fucking. On my furniture, I have to redecorate. Well, I think this is encouraging. This means that even if you're not dating anybody, you could be engaged in a couple of weeks. Or you could be dating someone for a year and be thrilled to get an electric toothbrush head. I don't understand why women are so obsessed about getting married. I mean, married people just want to be single again. If you're single, the world is your smorgasbord. Um, the world is your smorgasbord. That was like Miriam Williamson. You know, girl? She... What do you mean, girl? I mean... Girlfriend, Samantha's voice, like, I know, I think she's Canadian, but she lived in London for a while. And, like, it just, her accents seep out in so many different ways in the show. And it's just, it's so funny. It just adds to her character's hilarity. That's amazing. It's unbelievable. I, watching this clip made me, watching this part of the show made me so upset because I know I've had times where I'm like, I think this guy's so cute. And a friend of mine's like, yeah, I'm not really like looking to date right now. I'm like, oh, well, just, you know, just hang out. We're going to meet this guy at a bar. And he just like stares at her and is like, hi. Ugh. I've just been there before. It sucks Same. so hard. Mostly in my like preteen years, I had a very hot, still have a very hot best friend. And oh, what a nightmare. It was, and blonde 
hot. Sucks. Yeah, and and not trying. Not and that was the most painful part is that like it was so effortless and I would just watch people be like guh, 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 hello. Yeah, Miranda like did her weird peacock hair and made sure to like spritz on her little like sexual t- it's like yeah. Miranda trying to like look hot is so funny it's like her her best slacks <laughs> no, her best sleeveless turtleneck yeah it's like her her like highest hair yeah. her, like, her like something about Mary like sticky uppy bangs yeah it's like her most surprised eyebrows yes oh yeah. my god poor little Miranda I just I like love her I want to put her in my pocket and carry her around I love her I mean literally I just love her. that character is so perfect so Jamie have you ever set up a friend successfully this is kind of about accidental friend setup so if you were accidentally or purposely set up a friend never uh never not in this scenario not in the same scenario where like i was like yeah no uh yeah the answer is yes oh cool at first i didn't understand the question because i was still thinking about the um weird three-way between miranda and madeline dunn and jeremy but um no uh it was more passive, but I had a party at my apartment when I was still living in New York. Um, I was living on the Upper East Side, and I think you probably came to them. We we had this one apartment where we would have people over all the I never time. Did. I feel like maybe. Wow, Jamie. Okay. Well, anyways, we had a very good party apartment. We had like a big deck. Uh, strangely, in New York City, I don't know how we Sounds landed gorgeous. in an apartment with a deck, but it would like look out over. It did look out over First Avenue, and like people go out, go out there and smoke, and it was just like spacious. Strangely, and um, so we would have these big comedy apart uh, comedy parties where like every stand up I knew would come. Apparently, not you, which is God, weird. No. I don't know how that Rough. happened. <laughs> Actually, it's probably before I knew you because mm. I think I met you a little later. But come anyways. Me. Yeah. I was okay. <laughs> but um anyways, uh my friend Margie was at a party and then I invited another stand-up, Dan Mintz. You did that? Yeah. And uh, actually it, well Sean Perlman was friends with Dan Mintz. I didn't know Dan super well, but Sean brought Dan with him and then I was like, Oh, Dan Mintz, and he was like, Oh, I just recorded my he like just had recorded his Comedy Central Presents and then like came over to my house afterwards. I think that's what happened. Or he recorded it the night before, but whatever. The tapings were going on. And then Margie was there and they met that night and then they started dating and now they have like two wonderful children and that is live a in really successful City. story. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that happened because of my party. That's amazing. It's my party and I'll take credit for their relationship if I want to. I mean, you should. You yeah. did it. Yeah. But that wasn't like a direct like, hey, Margie, you should meet Dan. It was just like they happened to hit it off. I'm trying to think if I've ever I always try and set up friends. I, I have so many more female friends than male friends. Um, if I have any single cool male friends, um, I definitely try and shack them up. But usually there's a reason that I'm not dating them. So I wouldn't like give them to a friend. It but is tricky. Somebody did set me up once. I oh, hope I haven't me. said this story before on the pod. If I have, then sorry, listeners. Um, but there was someone that set me up in New York. A friend, and she's like, "You'll love this guy. He reminds me so much of you. He looks just like you. You know, you guys actually really remind me of each other." And I was like, "Okay, cool." Um, he shows up. Oh God, he's like seven one and like eleven pounds. He's like a string <laughs> bean. 
He has long curly hair and like a long like caricature Jewish nose. And I was like, this is what you think I look exactly that is like. So brutal. He was an anti-Semitic cartoon. Yeah. Like a hundred percent. I was just gonna say that restaurant that has all the portraits on the wall. Oh, that's him. What is that restaurant? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, she's like, he's basically the one that's in twin. Muppets Take Manhattan where the rats dance yes. under the table. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, if this is what you think I look like, excuse me, yeah. while I jump off a fucking bridge. Right. You're like, uh, you're now you're like, um, is my friend a Nazi? Yeah, like, what the is fuck like, is happening? All the Jews should be together. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Ugh. she set me up with him and the entire time. I was just like, God, tell me I don't look like this. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and then, like, uh, the second I, like, had, like, two sips of my drink, I'm like, oh, I'm tired. I gotta go. Bye. Um, so that was my one setup. Um, I was set up once. Uh, my friend tried to set me up with a guy who I believe worked on Saturday Night Live. This was a long time ago, which okay. is why the details are foggy. Um, but, yeah, we went out, and the whole time I was just like, this guy's gay. I was like, wow. he's gay. This is a gay man. Wow. And I don't think he's gay, but in my head, I'm like, that guy's gay. So he might be. He might just not be out of the closet. Yeah, it's a real vibe that you got. It was a real vibe. That's really odd. That's funny that she thought you would like hit it off with him in that way. Yeah, I did date a guy who ended up being gay um, or coming out. Um, did yeah. you know during? Or no, not? no, not at all. It was in like late. It was like in eighth grade. We like dated for two weeks. Oh, so he didn't know, right? Right. But then um, we kind of hooked up again senior year of high school. Hooked up like made out. He tried to have sex with me, and I didn't want to because hmm. I thought that he he was like uh, I'm still like this. He was like too into me, and I'm like gross. Like I can't if I feel like I have to chase it a little. And he was very like, Ram, Jamie. And so I sort of, ugh. and then I saw him. We went to the same college and I saw him. Um, so this is like a year later, maybe two years later. I saw him like sort of whatever in my sophomore year, I guess. Um, and he was standing across the quad and he was wearing like a bright turquoise Aztec tank top and literally just like waving to me like Jamie and I was like oh he clearly came out of the closet like it was the most like that guy is now gay moment and then he was like wearing short jean shorts and he was like telling me about how his life has changed now that he's out of the closet and I'm like oh great that's, that's great. amazing and I'm just thinking of all these times that like he tried to have sex with me and I was like I don't know is he bi is he gay also, we don't know like, even if you're gay or a lesbian or straight or whatever you can still like get in horny moods where you're just like let's do this yeah but he also was raised very conservative christian so there was always a part of me that was like was he all like he definitely was gay or bi or whatever label you want to put on it but i always wondered like how if it i don't know because then i heard later on that he went back to dating a woman and then he had kids with a woman and it made me really sad but then i was like well if he's bi then maybe he's real yeah but I don't know. You he wonder came if it's out, just family pressure exactly. or something. That's my point. Yeah. We don't know. Anyways, that was my, my, I don't even know what I was talking about or where that story came up. We got very off topic. Sorry. I derailed us. Gal, it's fine. Um, <sighs> what do you think about impulse marriages? They, they met for a week and then were oh, engaged. Yes. Getting back to the show, Madeline and Jeremy. I actually together think for a week. Yeah, what do you think? That there's no rules, and I I've heard people tell me stories of their parents who knew each other for two weeks and have been married for forty years. So I actually that's what I'm saying. I, I feel don't like think you. I don't think it's. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. Well, I do feel like if you are with someone for a short amount of time and you are 
claiming that it's very serious, no one takes you seriously. Everyone's like, oh, come on. You've only been together two weeks, three months, one year. Like, it's like, at what point are you allowed to just be like, yes, it's been enough time. I am aware that it's not the most amount of time, but it's enough time for me yeah, to know that it's right. I think everyone's love story is different. I think I there's too. people that are like, we were friends for five years and all of a sudden it occurred to me. There's people that are like, I, it took me a year to fall in love with him. And then there's people that are like, yeah, on the first date I knew. So yeah. it's the same as sex. Like I have a friend who had sex with her boyfriend on the first date and they've been together five years. So yeah, I, I just don't think there's any rules. I think that yeah, one of my best friends started out, her and her husband were like, it was like a one night stand and they just kept sleeping together. And then now they've been together for like 15 years. That's and what you're I'm like, saying. It's, yeah. I think that this, in a weird way, obviously everything's fictional and, and whatever, but the vibe I got from these people is like, I also think there's something about, especially as somebody who's like been dating as an older person, like not like old, but I'm not in my 20s. I do think these characters look like they're in their mid 30s, late 30s. Sure. I do think when you've had a lifetime of dating like that, you quickly know when it's for real. Yeah, and also they do set up in this episode that Jeremy is looking for marriage. He says that to Miranda. He's like, I just want to get married. And then he locks eyes with Madeline. That and- was such a painful scene. I felt so... Yeah. I, I just flash back to like high school and college Same. and I was just like so hard trying to get a guy and then like I remember going to a dinner with a bunch of friends and there was a really cute guy there and then I had a really beautiful friend this was a, maybe three years ago and I had a really beautiful friend who was like sober just trying to focus on like getting sober not really dating and I was like so excited to sit next to this guy and he was just like reaching around me to like talk to my friend yeah. and I was just like ah Ouch. Oh, yeah. I just you just reminded me the most painful boy situation I've ever been in and likely will ever be in in my life. I was dating this guy when I was 14. You know, again, these middle school boyfriends really stuck with me. Yeah. But I was dating this guy, Joel. And we we had like a whatever, a big friend group. And we all hung out with a bunch in Dallas. So everyone I knew, we all went to different high schools and we would all meet up at this one movie theater on the weekends. And then we would walk across the parking lot to Bennigan's. That's so cute. So it was like a big group of us. And we go to Bennigan's and we're just like sitting around. We're eating mozzarella sticks. And then. Sounds like a movie. um, Yeah. And also, I, I don't know if this was the case for everybody, but like for me in middle school, that's kind of the first time when like guys can be friends with girls totally like that was kind of a new phenomenon so like i was joel's girlfriend but like he was also friends with this girl sarah and they talked on the phone all the time and Hmm. i didn't think anything of it Mm -hmm. because i'm like oh i also talked on the phone with other guys right we're all a group of friends exactly so i just like i was like oh but i know i'm like prioritized as the girlfriend anyways we're sitting at bennigan's and then he's he out of nowhere just goes i think sarah has the most beautiful face i've ever seen and i remember i still think about it and i go that is the most painful thing i've ever heard in my life my stomach dropped to the floor like i was on a goddamn roller coaster i remember thinking i can't wait until i can go home so i can cry about this like i just need to go cry about this and i have to like sit here and save face and like be a cool girl while we're all just like hanging out at Bennigan's eating like whatever devil's food cake or whatever shit we ordered. And yeah, it was our death by chocolate. That was the signature that we always would get. But I was just like, 
Yeah, it was so painful. And then I cried that entire rest of that weekend. Like, I just stayed home and cried. That's the most cruel thing. It was I, I would, so cruel. And at that age. and Oh, it was horrible. And then it's funny because <laughs> I... Imagine an adult man saying that to exactly. another woman in oh, front of his girlfriend. <laughs> you would just murder him. You'd murder him. you just take the fork and just jab it in his hand. Yeah, and also now you'd be like, okay, well, fuck you then. Like, back then you're just no, you like, am I worthy? Yeah. No, back yeah. then you're like, am I ugly? Am yeah. I beautiful? Am I disgusting? Exactly. And then I remember, like, maybe a month later, I, it was the first time I ever had the flu. And I was, like, recovering from the flu. I was so, so sick. And then I was, like, in that space, though, where I was, like, I just want to, like, go out with my friends. Like, I'm tired of being in bed. I just want to go out. And so I was, like, still pretty sick. But I went out because I was, like, at the end of the symptoms. And I went to the movies with Joel. And we, I don't remember what we saw. But we sat in the back row. And I just remember, like, trying not to cough. Like, I knew I needed to cough and I knew I needed to sneeze. And I was like, it's so uncontrollable. I'm so sick. So I just like kept holding it in. Then I'd have to like leave to go to the bathroom just to like unattractive. Yes. Yes. Like it put me in this headspace where I was like, oh, like fucking Sarah with her beautiful face. That's so awful. Yeah. Yeah. And also, it's so funny because I never thought she was that. Like I didn't see her that way. They were talking all the time. And then after that, it was like every time I saw her, I'm like, she does have the most beautiful face. That'd be funny if she just was a totally regular girl. But you're like, oh, you mean Sarah with a gorgeous face? Oh my God. She's unbelievable looking. She still is. I follow her. Of course. Yeah. She's well, always like she's always going on like amazing trips too. I'm like, get your fucking face Last out of time Israel. I checked, your face was unbelievably beautiful. Thanks. Thanks. Getting back to the app. Okay, so as the girls head back into the going away turn engagement party, Samantha sneaks off with a handsome late arrival. The next time Carrie catches up with Madeline, Madeline is in full-on wedding planning mode, and she ropes her favorite sex columnist, Carrie, into writing a poem for her wedding. Because if there's one thing all sex columnists do, it's write poetry on the side. LOL. The core four have a classic lunch to catch up to discuss Carrie's latest assignment, but it's Samantha who has the real bombshell. What does she want you to write? A poem about love. Dear God, I hope you said no. How do you say no to somebody who wants you to be involved in her wedding? If I could answer that, I wouldn't be in charge of the guest book. Ugh, why did I agree to this? I write about sex, not love. What do I know about love? I might have to get married now. What? That guy I picked up at Miranda's. If you're engaged, I am selling the apartment. Hardly. That night, we went back to my place. Tug my hair! Tug my hair! Tug my hair! It all seemed so familiar. She was having a deja fuck. What's wrong? I've slept with you before. Yeah, yeah, like 15 years ago. Why the hell didn't you say something? I just thought you were playing the sexy stranger game. So it was kind of a reunion. I don't understand. How could you forget someone you slept with? Toto, I don't think we're in single digits anymore. Okay, but it's not like you shared a cab with this guy. I mean, you slept with him. Maybe we did it in a cab. I'd like to forget some of the men I've slept with. I keep a list. How sweet. Men to do today. So I'm officially out of men to fuck. I have to get married or move. That's lovely. Can I use that in my poem? It's yours. Wait till you guys see my bridesmaid's dress. Is it hideous? No, we got to pick our own. It's this amazing backless black satin. Mmm, pretty sexy for a bridesmaid. Well, all Madeline said was that it had to be black. Honey, calm down. No, I've been tasteful and appropriate at seven other weddings. I'm always, Charlotte, don't look at me, look at the bride. This time, people are going to look at me. 
For some reason, this whirlwind wedding was creating a great deal of stress for everyone but the bride and groom. Okay. Oh, my God. I really relate to this conversation because I just came back from uh, Pennsylvania for my college best friend's wedding. Yeah. And it's weddings are so it was a phenomenal wedding. We had a great time. That's great. But I already spent six hundred dollars on the plane ticket, a hundred dollars on the car rental. And then I had to buy a bridesmaid dress and she showed me some pictures. We, We could buy our own. Listen, when it's your wedding, you have things as you want it so that when the photographer takes the pictures and I have 50 yep. years, you can look at your book yep, and have it what yep, you want. Yep. But I was really pissed about spending $300 on some dorky chiffon flammable princess dress that I will never wear again. So I actually wore her down. I went to the mall oh, for five no. hours and eventually I was like. I'm buying this like really cute casual dress from Reformation and like can I just wear this and she's like okay and I felt a little bit like a bridesmaid zilla but I was like girl I'm not spending a thousand dollars you know wait so what was the motif it was just like she wanted like floor length very gowny very the color palette was fine but it's what very, was the color palette I need to set the scene it was totally fine it was like sage blush red the problem is it's very hard to find a floor length it's gown so that's hard. cool that yeah. you would wear again because most of the gowns that are floor length look like prom dresses yeah it's very hard to find a cool dress that goes all the way to your ankle that's like I mean I went to Bloomingdale's and found a bunch that were five to six hundred dollars yeah. but I'm not spending that that's the thing is that if you that's the that's I feel like that is the big uh, I don't know what word I was looking for. That's the main issue, I think, with bridesmaids dresses is that when you're given the freedom of pick your own, it's actually a higher price range than if you were to just buy a cheap bridesmaids dress and 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 agree with yourself, hey, I'm only going to be wearing this once. Because I like, just think that's so unfair. Like it is fully unfair. If and when I get married, which obviously you will be invited to. Thank you. Everyone can wear whatever they want. If I have bridesmaids, find a dress that fits you well and don't upstage me. And that's all I ask. Yeah, it's also hard to. It's tricky because, because obviously you say the photos, that now, but you're you going to want the photos now. to look good. But when you start looking on Pinterest, you're going to start to realize that the like choose your own. It looks bad. It's tricky. I mean, if one person is wearing like, you know, a short navy tight thing and then next to them is like reformation hippie wreath in her hair. It's just like, what is this? Like, it does look kooky. (sighs) Maybe you're right. You'll never upstage the bride. That is never an issue. You never have to worry about that. You just have to be cool with like, I call that photo the love panini when it's like all you're flanked by everyone you love. Like all the love panini. But if you're in the love panini and everyone flanking you looks different. It doesn't look good. It's not a. It's not that it looks bad. It's just that I could see you starting to be like, oh Did yeah. Did your bridesmaids wear all the same dress? Yeah, and there's a there's a website. Actually, Did it look good I'll on plug them? it. Anyone who is wedding planning right now, or um, you know, you're about to be in a wedding or whatever it is, um, there's a website called Azazi. A Z A. Z-I-E dot com, and they offer these bridesmaids dresses in every silhouette length color fabric actually maybe not fabric there's kind of like three fabrics but like pick and choose mix and match and they're all like under 200 bucks and look you will only wear it once for sure but at least it's not 500 bucks and it's like oh i didn't really need a 500 dollars dress right now anyway 
So I say swallow the 200 or, and, and just get the dress that the bride wants. It's also easier. You had to fucking schlep through the mall. And I know, but I ended up getting a really shoes. cute dress for $200 that I can wear a million more Wait, times. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah. Because oh, you went with the Reformation and I, you wore her down. I literally wore her down. I can't, See, I tried on all these crazy things I knew she'd say no to. And then finally I found something that's oh like. Oh my God, that's hilarious yeah, that you had I was a like, whole this, strategy. This? I'm like, God, Melissa, well, you like anything? It's like I was picking really like obvious no's. Oh my God. And I was like, Rose. Well, Melissa, okay, like, what so about guys, this? either go to a Zazie or just do the Rose Be a strategy. Monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those but, are your options. But like Charlotte, I, I ended up feeling really good because I was like, I look great. I love this. Charlotte's like a million bucks. Yeah, and like, here's the thing. The whole like wearing black, I, lo- I love that as a thought. I love the whole like, just as long as it's black, like make it your own. But I I have my feelings about the way it looks in photos. I, I want it to look great, and I think it always looks a little drab. Well, now we all have to think about that. You do. <laughs> um, it works better if it's a winter wedding. That's my opinion. Black. I think black, like a summer wedding, looks weird. Yeah. Uh, I wish I didn't care about this stuff, but I do. I think black... Uh, dresses for bridesmaids and white feels like faux fancy. I feel like it's cheap. It, is. Fa- it looks it's like a cheap little, fancy. It's a little, yes. It's a little like... Um, like the white and black store in the mall? It's a little like, when the moon hits the sky <laughs> like a big pizza pie. I just imagine some kind of like a Jersey Italian girl being like, it's going to be so classy. The bridesmaids are going to be wearing black. We're going to have a I'm swan gonna be wearing made white. of ice. It's going to be a luge and the alcohol goes it's down its spine. It's a tiramisu cake. <laughs> With big chocolate dipped strawberries. I'm doing French tips on my toes and my hands. <laughs> my toenails are so long. My mom looks beautiful. She's doing the same hair and makeup Love as me. my life. She's my best friend. She's my touchstone. Oh my God. So good. <laughs> Um, I so, could do that for hours. Yeah, your accent was so good. Oh I my was god, like, it was all over the place. It sounded like fucking Samantha. No, it's it was like, where really am good. I from? Okay. Um, okay, I had a question for you. Oh, um, have you ever felt like you've exhausted all the good options in a dating pool? Yes, actually, so much so that it's funny that I'm like dating somebody that I'm really happy with because. There were seriously times in my dating life in L.A. where I was like, should I move to Europe? I literally was like, will I never, ever meet someone in L.A.? Is it just impossible? So I've definitely felt that way. Like, I mean, the funny thing about like being with Lee is like he's my like 7,452nd online date and I'm like his first maybe. Wow. Yeah. And okay. I'm, like I'm the first person he dated after oh a very God. long-term relationship ended. Do you guys ever struggle? I mean, Jesus Christ. I'm like, are you, I was like, you have no idea how you lucky you are that like you just like literally he swiped keep that on shit me. to himself. That stresses me out. Isn't that rude? I was <laughs> like, so Lee, I literally went through so many like weird like <laughs> horrible like oh five siblings, cool. <laughs> oh, you went to college there. That's interesting. Anyway, I've got a big day tomorrow. Like I've done that like 400 times. Yes. I have definitely felt in LA and New York. Like I think the go-to thing I I would feel in my head when I was burnt out was like, do we got to go to Europe? Mm -hmm. It just feels like you can just go to Europe. And like when you get off the plane, someone's like, and you just like fall in love. Right, right, right. There's like a there's stereotype just like, that like your language guys are, barrier is just like sexy and adventurous. But you know what? I heard on a podcast or somebody was saying who's European that said that like that Europeans don't 
play games like they do here. Oh, it was a it was a woman I interviewed for a video. She was like, yeah, in Europe, it's like someone likes you. They ask you out. They're like they're your girlfriend on like the second date. And then if it doesn't work out, they break up with you. But there's no like, I don't know if I want you to be my girlfriend. Like that's like way more like American. Oh, shitty. wow. Yeah. America, home of the gaslighting. Yeah. Home of the cool. shitheads. Wow, it's so special that, that we... Did you ever feel like... like they, in Italy, they're like, we invented the best food in the world. It's like, well, we invented fucking with people's heads. <laughs> yeah, we invented... Not, Come visit. We invented withholding love. Yeah. Um, oh. Jamie, did you ever feel like you kind of tapped out of a dating pool and you were kind of at your wit's end? Um, yeah, I definitely felt like I was at my wit's end. I don't know if I ever... I didn't. I don't feel like I dated that much. Like I always ended up just dating like comedians and like people who were around. Did you ever feel tapped out of the comedian dating pool? N- no, I think I felt tapped out of dating comedians. Like mm-hmm. not not because I had dated so many comedians, but just that I was like, I don't know if that's the best solution for me. Like I want to date someone who's like creative and like understands my schedule and gets like why I'm so damaged, <laughs> you know, all the things you can bond over. But I, I didn't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm answering this question very well. But um, I, yeah, I guess it is a pretty small pool. The comedy pool? I, yeah, the, the, the comedy is, pool is small. And also it's like shit where you eat. But also like I need to shit where I eat because this is the only place I eat. And it's like I'm eating all the time. And I'm eating constantly. <laughs> well, the thing is, in some ways, it's kind of nice to be like an attractive female in comedy like as you are because it's so dude heavy that in a way you're like a really hot commodity. It's like you have, it's not like you're competing with like all these women. It's like every show you do is mostly guys and you're, it's just surrounded by men all the time, which is nice if you want to meet men, I guess. Yeah. But then it's weird because then you grow out of that phase of like, like when you first start in comedy, you're like, this is so cool because it's like everyone gets you suddenly. You're like, oh, this is what I should have been doing all along. And like we all understand each other and it's so unspoken and you don't have to like catch anyone up to your personality because you all have the same personality, basically. But then you get a little older and you're like, oh, we're all like working in the industry and like, but some of us have fucked so that's weird because it's like, oh, like you fucked your boss or you fucked your, your future boss, or future, future boss, your future employee, your future assistant, like whoever yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's like this weird thing where you're like, that was then and this is now. And it's like, I luckily I don't have much experience with that, but I do know I have a lot of friends who deal with that. And I think that it can get pretty. I don't think it gets messy, but it's just the fact that it's even on the table is like a level of stress that I think everyone would just like love to wish away. Yeah. Yeah. This show's so wild because it's it's kind of it's like in some ways it's so simple. It's about four people that want to get married. And yet every episode really has new insight. It's, it's kind unbelievable of a, that they can generate new again and yes. again and again. And it it's feels like, so broad yet so specific. It's, yeah. it's so interesting. It's like this one's about this episode's about love, and the next one's also about love, and the one after that's also about love. But like somehow we still have different conversations around it every single time. Yeah, like you could think like, oh, how can you do a whole show season after season just about people trying to get dates and love? And it's like, well, the reason you can is because in a lifetime it does take a long time like and it never really gets easier so like 
the trials and tribulations are always there. Well, Even when it resets to zero, it's like, okay, but they're still as significant as they were the on the last date. This is like all really fresh in my head because I'm in the beginning of a relationship and I'm totally in the honeymoon phase. And like, who knows what will happen with Leah? It feels really nice. And I hope that it's the one, but you, you never do know. But I was thinking in my head recently, like, oh, if asterisk, this is my person, what a huge thing to take off my plate. Like, I've been looking for my person actively dating and having sex with different people and da 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 and being at parties and hoping there's going to be a guy there. And I was like, wow, if that's like the crazy thing is like when you do find your person or you do, you know, settle down. That's such a huge thing off your plate. Yes. I mean, it's like a full-time job. It's kind of wild. I was thinking about it. I'm like, God, like once you meet your person, it's like kind of frees up your mind to like, I'm sure maintaining a healthy, no, happy relationship is a lot of work in itself. It's, it's not like replaced with like, oh, now that I'm my person, I never have to. No, but you, you were really dating. You were actively. You well, were anybody caring. is if they have to. Yeah, but you were, you were, but you also, I don't think everyone's active. I think a lot of people are passive. I feel like you were active. Yeah, I just you don't were know. making an effort. Yes, I was. And it's kind of funny, too, because I think it's a lie to think, oh, then when you meet your person, you still, I'm sure, in a, in a decades long relationship no, have course. to do. There's new problems. A ton of work to keep it going yes. and blah, blah, blah. But yeah. It's interesting that all these women are working on a a thing that, like, as soon as they, it's a different show after that. Yeah, it's it's um, that's why it ended when they all. Yeah, I mean, spoiler alert, but yeah, yeah. it's kind of wild. Yeah, it's like everything they do, and I totally relate to this. As like when I was single, it's like every wedding you go to, every event you go to, every party. It's like, are there single guys? It's like everything in the back of your head is like, is this an opportunity to meet someone? Sure. And that's yeah, how they're doing at also, this wedding. Yeah, but that's also like you were proactive. Yeah. Which is huge. I guess so. Yes, thank you. But like I do think single people, single women, I have more female friends than men. It's like I do think weddings are really triggering for single women. I'm sure. Especially I single think they're women triggering in their 30s. for everybody yeah, maybe on they some are. level. Oh, yeah, they are. They're a nightmare. That makes sense. I think it's also very triggering to go to weddings when you're a couple that is not engaged or married yet but is in love. I think it's maybe even extra pressure for the dude because women are like every time you go to a wedding, there's like secretly an idea that you're partners like when are we getting married yeah and it's also like even if you're like well our ideals don't align with marriage and wanting to put a label on what we have you probably feel pressure just because everyone else in the room is like why don't you want to label it like yeah there's this weird thing where you're like oh even if i even if i have like the strength to not succumb to adhering to like whatever parameters people are expecting of me it's still frustrating to even be in, be put in a place where people are thinking that like knowing that people are thinking that i mean you wrote a whole book about it i did it's called ridiculous an unfiltered guide to being a bride it's hilarious you should buy i have it. a lot of strong feelings on not just weddings but marriage in general yeah I it's think complicated we're, we're in a tricky and it place really with it. makes everyone on edge yeah and also yeah weddings are ugh, they're so they're so dangerous they're so dangerous. Poor baby Miranda in this episode. It's, I mean, to go to a wedding of somebody you were, like, desperately trying to hook up with. And then they're like, so- will you man the guest book? And you're like, fuck off. Anyways, oh. let's keep going. Yes, okay. let's do it. So, okay. At first, Big leaps at the chance to see Carrie deliver her poem. But because he's a flighty man of mystery, he does not want to sign a card with Carrie for Jeremy and Madeline, as that sort of commitment means something. At the wedding, Miranda's given the all-important role of managing the guest book, not a real job, while 
while Samantha surveys the attendees for guys she hasn't already slept with. Charlotte shows up in a total stunner of a black dress, catching the eye of a hot groomsman named Martin. And later on in the wedding, Martin absolutely slays his toast to the bride and groom, making Charlotte even more smitten. And après Martine, Carrie, the sex columnist slash poet, she's taken the mic, people. His hello was the end of her endings. Her laugh was their first step down the aisle. His hand would be hers to hold forever. His forever was as simple as her smile. And suddenly it hit me. Two people were committing to a life together and I couldn't even get a guy to be on a card with me. He said, She was what was missing. She said instantly she knew. She was a question to be answered. And his answer was, I do. I had no choice but to embrace the moment and try to pass off my tears as tears of joy for the happy couple. Okay, a lot is made of Carrie as a writer. How do you think she did here with this poem? I have to say kudos to the writer's room because I think writing like a decent poem that's not bad is really, really hard. I mean, the writers of this show aren't necessarily poets. <laughs> and I think that they did a good job. I think yeah, it I was, really liked it. I thought it was good. I thought it was romantic and it wasn't it was cheesy. Short. It, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, I was actually surprised at how I much I liked touching. it. Yeah, I thought it was good. I also felt like it could apply to any couple. Like, it felt like the type of thing, like, if you were asked to do this poem at any wedding, people would be like, thank you for reading that poem. Like, it felt like a nice sort of summary of marriage. And yeah, I thought it was really lovely. It reminds me the fact that she was crying for her own reasons, but then, like, easily could pretend that it was part of the wedding. I was at a pride parade and I was like dating some asshole who like said something that really hurt my feelings and I just was like crying the entire time. My friends were like, you are the best ally. Oh my God, Rose. I'm like, I just care so much about the cause and oh I was just like God. fully crying for myself. Oh, <laughs> I know. That's hilarious, but all. Yeah, I thought that it was great. I mean, I felt so bad for Carrie. I uh, Right now, it's this episode... Uh, I sort of feel like our listeners are friends of ours because you guys send the sweetest Instagram messages. You guys leave the nicest reviews. You guys comment on our Instagram stories. And it's a really like wonderful community. So as your friend, um, I'm like the really annoying girl who's like sprung right now. So like whatever, like you could take a shit and I'd be like, that reminds me of the guy I'm dating right now. Like that's kind of where my head is at. Sure. And so because I feel like I am with somebody who's so kind and so considerate, it's making watching big treat her this way feel like unacceptable, like insane, like a mental institution, like because I'm being treated so nicely and kindly. You're like it. The good people are out there. You don't have to date people like this. It honestly feels insane. It feels like I'm watching something from like Mars, which is crazy because I've been in stuff like this. It's not. No, I I feel the same way. I I think it's um, I don't know if it's because we're like a little older now rewatching the show and we just have lower tolerance for bad treatment and we respect ourselves more and it just becomes so unacceptable and so hard to watch and so blatantly wrong like he's just so he just I don't know what it is it's also like big does not 
he he is so consistently inconsistent. He never like Carrie keeps correcting him in the same way. Essentially, she, like she's always like, "Hey, remember me?" Can she's you think like, about me. Hey, remember me? And also just like he he hurts her feelings in such obvious ways. Like you went there to see her poem, and then like that's the Took second the you step out of the room. Like it's just obvious. Like his way of being rude is so blatant, and it's almost like. He's more rude than anything. Like he doesn't have a problem being rude. And that sort of arrogance is is really hard to watch because it's it would be so easy to fix. It's like almost like the first time someone tells you like, "Hey, that really blatantly rude thing hurt my feelings." You would be like, "Oh, okay. Well, they didn't like that, so they probably won't like this, 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 this and this." But instead, it's like he makes the mistake, she says it hurts her feelings, he does it again and like wash rinse repeat and you're just like, "He never learns." He's just always like an affront to her and to women. <laughs> yes, I completely agree. And I think Every time he makes a mistake or does something bad, as you're saying, being rude, I think the root of it is not caring about her feelings. Like, yeah, like, like you don't think it's arrogance, though, or I don't even think it's rudeness. I think it's every Entitlement. time he does something, it's literally showing it, you're not that important to me. You're not my priority. Yes. I don't really care about your feelings. And I was thinking to myself, like when you're in a partnership, you both know this, you both have been in long-term partnerships. Like the way you show love, like one of the big ways is like you do things for somebody that maybe isn't like the first thing you'd want to do. Like, you know, Kristen feels like this kind of food and you don't feel like it, but you know, it would mean a lot to her. So you heat that kind of food. You know, Dan feels like you do There's it because no compromising with big with her. If something's important to him, he doesn't care. And I think one of the biggest things of partnership is that it brings you joy to bring them joy. Yes. It's like they, there's no joy for him in doing something nice for her, it feels. Yeah, which is interesting. Like, yeah, because there was the example in the beginning of the episode where, like, she needed uh, a toothbrush. And then he was like, oh, here, you can have your own little toothbrush head. And she thought that she took that to be so significant and meaningful and like she was really like there was that shot where she set it on the sink next to his like the his and hers and she was like ooh but then even in this episode when they're on the stoop talking all the girls she does say like oh is love like you know having your own toothbrush head and she even kind of makes fun of it so that was I thought that was interesting in the writing just like a writing observation I guess is that you know, we start out where she's just like, oh, he gave me a toothbrush head. Yay. We're evolving. And then even within the same episode, she's like, yeah, we're evolving. Like she was actually sarcastic. Right. So I, I thought that was like kind of a self-aware moment for Carrie. And I don't know if that was intentional in the writing or if it was the performance or both or neither. But it's kind of wild. To I see thought a woman it was and- interesting to finally whenever she has moments of like pure self-respect i'm it's kind of mind-blowing because you really she shelves it for this whole relationship yeah and like as much as i'm being judgmental because we're just you know breaking it down i mean i've nothing i haven't done before she you know it's not like i've never been in her position absolutely (laughs) right oh yeah i'm not above it right that's why i'm I'm not judging it i am observing right it's just there's something sad about watching a woman in her 30s be like he let me sleep over like he let me have a toothbrush it's like the fact that you're like will you sign this card and it says no it's like you just think about what you do for people you care about I remember when my sister was with dating her now husband and my sister everyone in my family is really picky about food we're really bougie we really like certain kinds of foods 
And her husband likes very different kinds of foods than she does. We're kind of like California fresh salads, avocados. He likes like heavy food, like brisket and like mayonnaise based pasta salads and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like when they go to sushi restaurants, she'll get like nigiri and he'll get like the loaded, you know, like (laughs) the dragon explosion. 20 different types of aioli. Right. Right. And and Molly is like. Ponzu, sorry. And Molly, my sister, is very picky. And one thing I thought was so sweet when they were dating is we went out to dinner. And he ordered um, for them and he ordered all the stuff that I know she doesn't like, but she just like ate it. And it was just like, listen, it's not what you do later in the relationship when you can fully be yourself. But it's just one of those things where it's like, that's what you do when you like somebody. You kind of go with some things. Yeah, you sure. Kinda like, you know what I mean? No, I mean, it, yeah, Big is not, he's not compromising. And not only is he not compromising, he is... Um, I don't even, it's hard. I I can't tell. I don't know if he even has the awareness. That's the part that I don't understand is like, he has a bit of a brain fog where it's like, big, you keep getting in the same kind of trouble with Carrie. Why can you not recognize the stuff that she hates and just, just tweak it a little? It's basic human consideration. And he has such a large blind spot. And it's really infuriating slash it's the thing that makes this relationship fascinating because he the does give her these nuggets, as you call it, breadcrumbs. Like right. he does. He is there in so many ways for her and shows up for her in so many ways. He did go to the wedding. He was excited to go to the wedding. He wanted to see her do the poem. But then it's like right at the second when it's like, all right, man, just like carry the task through. Watch her deliver the poem. It's so basic. It's so basic. He's so close to he's like. He's so close to almost getting it right. But I also think the thing that makes him so insufferable is also the thing that makes him such a good character. It's so real to have someone who's like almost like almost it's not there. a square peg in a round hole. No, it's mostly round. You're right. That's a really good way it's to put it. It's mostly round, but it's the really edges true. are so jagged. Yeah. And I agree with you that like, I don't think that Big is a nefarious bad guy i don't think he's trying we to wish, hurt her we wish he was I don't he's think close he was. To, he's close to a villain he's like he is close to he is not he's villain adjacent i think the problem with him and why this show is so fucking relatable is i don't think he's sitting there thinking how am i gonna hurt carrie no I'm, I'm he's purposely not. not doing that the thing that's painful about this and relatable is women over and over again fall in love and try and make relationships work with people who aren't capable. I don't think he's evil. I think he's limited and not capable. And I think she's just, I think Carrie's like running into a wall again and again because she won't accept the fact that this person is not capable. Yeah, that that's a really, that's a really great way. And I, yeah, and that's, um, and he feels so, it feels like, oh, I could, I, he's all, like, he's almost there. Can't I just like help complete this craft project like it's almost beautiful it's so close and it's like but you're right he's incapable can we say one thing even though i know we're kind of running late oh no we're fine um this reminds me of an oprah super soul podcast love episode. where this is headed it's really good Do go it, on this is right related to this is uh there's an episode if you listen to oprah's super soul podcast which is great she has an episode called the best relationship advice and oprah says that the best relationship advice she's ever gotten was from maya angelou who told her when people show you who they are believe them right and then the whole episode she's taking clips from oprah throughout her career of like couples she talked to and there was this one couple she talked to when i guess oprah used to be like a co-panelist on like the dr phil show 
And they had this couple and they were going on the show for Dr. Phil and Oprah to decide if they should stay together. And Dr. Phil asked each one of them to list the pros of each other and the cons. And the first pro that the woman had for the guy, the cons were like, he's inconsiderate. I can't trust him. He cheated on me. And then the first pro was potential. He has potential. Mm. And Dr. Phil and Oprah were just like, Potential, you can't marry potential. You can't be with somebody in the hopes mm. that you see glimmers of things. That's yeah. not good enough. Yeah. That's, I mean, Big has tons of potential. So he's all potential. Yeah. He's tall. He's handsome. Yes. He's rich. He comes from a quote unquote good family. He loves his mother. While Carrie and Samantha drown their frustrations at the bar, Charlotte and Martin take their roles as bridesmaid and groomsmen seriously and disappear upstairs to prep Madeline and Jeremy's post-wedding suite. As the silly string and rose petals are flying, they can't deny what's going on between them, and they sleep together because, reminder, Charlotte is quietly naughty. All seems adorable in their world until they get back to the wedding downstairs and Martin introduces Charlotte to his parents. Charlotte takes his dad's cute offer to dance, which he quickly ruins by grabbing her ass. When Charlotte tells Martin about his father's wandering hands, he flips out because his parents are in love, damn it. Daddy wouldn't dare grope anyone but sweet mama. Bye, Martin. Bye. That felt so real, that scene. Disgusting. Wrapping up, Carrie and Biggs smooth things over with a quick pep talk and some cake so their fundamentally toxic relationship can keep trucking on. And the episode closes with Charlotte, Miranda, Carrie, and Samantha dodging the bullet that is Madeline's toss bouquet. All right. So this brings us to the question of the episode, which we always answer every episode of this podcast. In a city as cynical as New York, is it still possible to believe in love at first sight? Clickety clackety click. What do you think, Rose? You know, I don't think, uh, well, have you ever experienced love at first sight, Jamie? No. Have you, Skylar? No. No. Yeah. I, I mean, attraction at first sight, yeah. interest at first sight, yeah. wanting to know more at first sight. Yes. But no. Yeah. I, like, I'm not a dog. You know what I mean? I think I agree with you, Jamie. I, I don't think I've had love at first sight. I think I've had intrigue, interest. So I think I'm not answering the question correctly. I don't think it's really about love at first sight. I think they're asking, is it still possible to find love in New York? But I thought I think the love at first sight thing is interesting because I'm sure there are people who have done that. Um, I don't even think Jeremy and Madeline are love at first sight, which I know they're definitely like quick to get engaged. They right. don't spend a week together. But in their defense, I feel like you can cram a lot into a week in New York. If you're spending a lot of time, I feel like every day in New York is like seven days. It's like every little experience you have throughout the day feels so significant. It feels like even when you like go on a date in New York, it's like you start out with a drink and then you go to dinner and then you go for a walk and then you end up back at a different bar. And like it just keeps going and going and going. Whereas like in L.A., you probably go for drinks. Done. You probably go for dinner another night. Done. Like, you know what I mean? I think that New York just has sort of a long whimsical sort of timelineless vibe yeah, and there's I something think epic that about you it. can really cram a lot of getting to know someone into a very short amount of time in New York. Yeah. Not that you couldn't in LA, I'm no, not no, saying. No, I agree, but I think that it's more conducive to those sort of winding whimsical ways of getting to know each other. I think I'm going to be a politician and answer this question just 
to fit a thought I have. Let's hear it. It's not even necessarily the question, but the whole episode is about women who are feeling really cynical. Miranda's so fucking cynical. Um, Samantha, they, they're kind of all really cynical in this sure. episode. Sure. And I think the question is like, you know, can you feel still find love when things are really cynical? And I think the nice thing is, We've all been cynical about love before. We've all been like, fuck it, it doesn't even exist. I'm never going to find my person or this relationship is so hard, whatever. But I think the nice thing is there's always love all around you and there's always evidence of it still happening. And, you know, my sister found love in New York to like the most amazing guy and they have such a wonderful family. So I'm going to have to say you can still find love in New York. Love it. Positive. Positive vibes. Gal, should should you kick us off into our horny segment? Yes, okay. So, Sex and the City is obviously a very horny show, so we end each episode by sharing what we are currently horny, horny, <laughs> horny for. Rose, what are you horny for right now? You know what? Thank you for asking, and sometimes I really have to reach to find my horny, but mm. this week, I totally have one. Let's hear it. Um... I like to read books that are Whoa. instantly captivating. Yes. That I don't have to work hard. God, like, same. Second, Fucking preach it. I feel like, the same way. Between, I can't deal anymore. No, between Instagram and Facebook no, and my phone. I cannot ease in. It cannot ramp up chapter two. I need first page hooked. First sentence, honestly. Okay. Get to it. Tell me. You tell and me, me what are the same. It, yes, because tell me. that's what I need. Okay, tell me. I bought it at the fucking airport and it's a New York Times bestseller and it's on the top of everyone's list. Oh it's called God. Three Women. <gasps> I keep hearing about by this. By Lisa Tadeo. It's fascinating. The writer who is a gorgeous writer is a nonfiction writer. She writes long um, articles and essays for magazines. She undertook a project about female desire. She was like really interested in female desire. Not like necessarily in everything it encompasses. What women really crave romantically, sexually, where our fantasies are. So she spent eight years traveling ar- along the United States interviewing hundreds of women and found three particular women whose stories were so captivating Whoa. and so fascinating oh, that she interviewed them for years and tracked their lives. Oh my God, it's broken like a- marriages, affairs with married teachers, um, you know, open relationships were like fucking in front of the husband. And she just tells the story. Each chapter is. It goes to each of the women back and forth. Yeah. It is like I read the entire thing on the plane for five hours and it's like the best TV show. It's obviously already going to be an HBO show. Like, yeah. So if you need something, if you're going on vacation, if you need something to read at night, you will just blaze through it. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Great wreck. I'm going to read that next. Yep. And Jamie, dear, what is your horny this week? Um, Well, I'm also reading a book. It is instantly captivating. It takes no time to um, sink your teeth in. It's a very sad story. I have to put... um, I don't know what kind of warning on it, but it's a very sad story. It's called uh, Once More We Saw Stars. It's by Jason Green. And um, Jason Green is um, a brilliant music writer. He freelances for a lot of publications, but I believe he works mostly with Pitchfork Mm. and um, lives in Brooklyn with his wife. They had a two-year-old daughter, and there was a very tragic accident where a brick from a windowsill fell on her head. And it is uh, very, I mean, I, I feel like I have to at least say that part. Wow. Um, because I think it would be weird to be like, check out this book. Right. And then you're like, what the fuck did you recommend? Holy this is shit, insane. Jamie. Yeah. So um, very tragic accident. And uh, he writes about it 
just so beautifully. And I haven't finished the book, but I had read an excerpt. I had heard him on podcasts, and it's it's just a really fascinating and beautiful, and obviously um, miserable and horrible and um, complicated story about like grief and family and moving forward and you know um just like finding your life after something like that so it's really great again again it's called once more we saw stars by jason green and um you know pick it up as a companion piece to rose's book which seems much breezier also uh the book that i just recommended it's got riveting story but there are definitely parts that you could uh, lock the door and read by yourself okay okay great so maybe we have yeah to uh i don't think you can say that about yours i hope this is not a beach read mine is not a beach read yours is beach a horny beach read a horny beach read like if 50 shades of gray was well written and a good story yeah okay so like if it's not 50 shades of gray a little bit of a big little eye structure with the like going between the different women yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and and these are real people and you're just heartbroken and riveted wow and the, the theme through all three women's lives is how hard it is as a woman to claim what you want romantically, relationship, and sex, and how, like... Oh my God, say no more. I'm fucking reading that. Yeah, yeah, Next. you have to. Yeah, I'm you have need, to. I mean, if I'm... I don't know. I, this book, honestly, I will... Just another quick warning. It is maybe the only book I've read in my life where I do... I am sort of dreading reading it, but I can't stop reading wow, it. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, like I woke up this morning and I was like, oh, I can't believe I'm reading that book. Like I was almost like a Goodness. little, yeah, I was a little like, I don't know if I can do it today. And then I was like, okay, I can read like a couple. I like, I can't not, it, it's riveting, but not, and feels gross using that term. It's 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 riveting from like a emotional um, sort of like deep dive perspective i guess also not to brag you guys but jamie and i read okay <laughs> i don't know if you've noticed but like not only do we watch uh, also, tv but we also read when i say i read it takes me like four months to complete like a 90 page novella like i truly cannot get through books quickly okay well when you well, said jamie, you finished it like in one plane right i was like that is goals like i cannot that's because every sentence is like oh no bitch then what happened okay okay it's not like a heart like you could start reading this in middle school the last school. book i read took me four months and it's i mean granted i'm not reading every day but like I was like sad that I'm not more of a speed reader because I want to consume books also, more quickly Jamie, than I can. You literally have 500 things going on but all the time. But you know, there are people who are like, I read a book a week and they're busy. And I'm no, like, how not do busy. you? Are they not? They're retired. Really? They don't even talk to their family. I have a friend a full-time job and he's like, I make it a point to read a book a week. And I'm like, how? Gal, how do you do that? They're reading a flip book. Okay. And that makes me feel better. Well, anyway, that was the end of this app. Guys, thank you so much. And, uh, yeah thank you we love you and if you have not hopefully it goes without saying rate review subscribe um because that helps us and it helps you and i think that we recorded something that says that exact message but you know what i'm saying it in real time last as well last time we said it we got a lot more and also you guys we super appreciate you communicating with us on instagram yeah, you guys really are so can't kind enough you guys are unbelievable we, love, yeah. we really do love you and we really appreciate all your messages and feedback thank you so much we're and your real family stop talking to your current family yeah. just only talk to us mom who <laughs> okay bye bye thanks for listening to couldn't help but wonder follow us on twitter and instagram at ch BW Pod and follow my co-host Rose Cerno on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host Jamie at Really Jamie Lee on Instagram and at The Jamie Lee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app if you're nasty. It helps us, it helps you, it helps everyone. You're nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. Dog. This has
has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Engineered by Chelsea Jacobson and mastered by Anna Rubinova. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. Ew.